This morning I'm excited because you're going to hear from somebody this morning that you have heard of, heard from. It's amazing you walk up here after those kids are gone and half the, half the congregation is up missing. I'm excited this morning because we get to hear from somebody who you've heard from before and have been uh, uh, encouraged by before, but I've never been able to hear him live here. I've always been gone. He's always covered for me. He's been gracious to do that when I've been out, and I've been able to hear his messages, but there's something about when you're in the room with the dude, right? Right? Have you ever, like, somebody said, oh, I was at this conference, and the message was so good, you got to watch it, and you watch it, and you're like, meh. And that's why I'm excited to be here this morning, because I also know that the man that's standing before you is a champion in the kingdom. I know that he has given his, uh, his life, not like we've all given our lives to the Lord, but he's given his life to the Lord to serve him. And God has met him in powerful ways. I know that there's stuff in him that God is releasing that has been a blessing to my own life. He sees things in me that God's doing that I, I haven't seen yet. And it's precious to have people like that in your life. It's necessary to have people like that in your life. I love him because he's a, he's a boss and he's a beast and he encourages me, but I love him more because he's a son of God who's willing to use whatever God's given him to affect the kingdom. And so I want you to welcome and honor. Remember, what we honor moves towards us, right? So I want you to honor and welcome Jay Cannon this morning as he comes so that you can receive all that God has for you in him. And I'm going to do the same. Jake, would you come? Yo, what's up? How we doing? Man, it's a good day to be in church. Thank you, Pastor Josh. I love you. I saw, um, I don't know if I can compete with that honoring thing. That was amazing. Um, I saw we were friends on Facebook for three years, like last week. So, yeah, super excited. Has it been that long? Yeah, three years. And, uh, I just want to thank you, family, for what you've done in my life and what you've done in my family's life. Uh, like me standing here and us being at church, the good things that are happening in our lives are a product of you, for real. I wore my Buffalo Sabres jersey today because the hottest thing besides Jesus in Buffalo, New York right now is the Buffalo Sabres. Come on, somebody. Come on, let's go, Sabres. We're 4-0-1. Oh, and one. And I just, re- I just realized, well, God is doing some cool stuff in our city with the leaders. Um, I talked to one of the Buffalo Bills coaches for my other job. I work for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And coach said that 15 of the 30 coaches for the Buffalo Bills are in a weekly Bible study. Unbelievable. Unbelievable what God is doing. You know, you don't see that um, very much. And... Uh, it's so exciting to see what God's doing. I know the Pagulas who own both of our teams are, are believers. They love the Lord. And, you know, God has strategically placed people in our city um, to provide financially and bring peace to our city so that the church can rise up, amen, and usher in revival. Um, so I'm so excited about the fact that the Bills are 4 and one and the Sabres are 4-0-1. Oh, and, and so I was like, I got to wear the Sabres jersey. But I also wore it because Pastor Jordan's been taking a lot of photos. And... I was like, 
I really want someone to be wearing a Sabres jersey in a photo on our new website because that might get more people to come to this church. And I was like, they'll come for the Sabres and the coffee, but they'll get Jesus. Amen. Come on, come on, let's go. So hopefully Pastor Jordan can put that on our website. And um, yeah, exciting. You know, uh, we need more people to come to this church because there's a good product at this church. I was uh, watching a podcast uh, from Jeremy Riddle and Randy Clark, and Jeremy Riddle is a worship leader involved with Bethel, and Randy Clark has a ministry called Global Awakening, and uh, Jeremy said that um, he, he came from a different place to Bethel Church, and uh, the, the thing that attracted him about Bethel when him and his wife went there and they showed up uh, wasn't the leadership. It wasn't Bill Johnson. It wasn't uh, you know, the fact that they were on YouTube. When they got there, they realized that there was a culture within the people that honored the Holy Spirit above all things. And there was a hunger in the people that honored the Holy Spirit above all things. And um, when my wife and I were going through a transition at, at the church we were with before, and we got connected to Pastor Josh and, and Dan and Nancy and everyone that's here. Um, the number one thing we just felt was just family. That there's a spirit of revival in that atmosphere here. And there's amazing leadership here These, uh, that, that loves you to death. People that would give their entire life for you. But you are more powerful than you think. You are extremely, extremely powerful people. And I know there are countless fathers and mothers that are sitting in this room, that have poured in to my life. No matter what you're dealing with today, God wants to meet you there. No matter what you've been struggling with, God will meet you in that place. This church has an atmosphere where there's no shame, there's no guilt, and there's no condemnation. And when you are able to come fully into the light with who you are, what you've been dealing with, you will be set free. And I can speak from experience. Since being at this church, my family is so free. My family is so free to the point where I've been healed of so many things, being angry and selfish, and even a sexual addiction that I had since I was 11 years old. Since a being a young hockey player, um, you know, someone chose me something in, in a basement one day, and for years and years and years, couldn't break this thing off. And as a result of being a part of this church, God has done that in my life. And I just want to testify to that and speak that over, amen, because, and speak that over my family as well, because God, when he heals us, when he brings us into the promised land, it's generational, amen. And I'm just going to speak freedom over this church, okay? Like, I'm just being honest with you guys because I love you so much. And this isn't about church. This isn't about, you know, um, you know, programs and videos and all that. I'm just blessed to be here. That a kid in a hockey jersey could get up on a stage and share that God loves him, that he's a son of God, and that he can do anything in your life. Amen? So if you're alone, if you're struggling today, no matter what you're going through, God wants to meet you there. Don't get mad at me right now. Don't get mad at me. Please, don't get mad at the Lord right now. 
Okay? He is coming for you with a vengeance right now. And I just see the King of Kings just running into your situation right now. And there's freedom. And I believe that there is revival that's going to happen at this church. When I watched the video about Jeremy Riddle and Bill Johnson, it just reminded me of what I saw three years ago when we got involved in this church. And uh, I met Pastor Josh, and the Lord gave me a vision that this church would rise up and become a Bethel-like church that would impact the entire region of western New York. And I just believe that it's going to impact not just this area of Tonawanda, but the entire western New York region and beyond. And it's, it's because of Pastor Josh, it's because of Pastor Dan and Nancy, but it's because of you. It's because of us. Okay, This morning is about us. It's about us as a church. It's about what we could do together. I believe the Lord is reawakening dreams this morning. I believe the Lord is reawakening vision this morning. That we would see ourselves as God's children. That we would see the fullness of our dreams. I believe it honors God. Hallelujah. I believe it honors God when we come to Him not with half a dream, not with half a vision, not with half hope, but with the fullness of hope. And we just lay it all upon him and say, Lord, I trust you with my life. I trust you with my freedom. I trust you with my family. I trust you with the afterlife that the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, will also raise me up in the last day. Amen? How many believe the best is yet to come for what's happening at this church and in your lives? God is good. So thanks for letting me preach today. All right, on Thursday, we... They didn't do the video for me, and I felt really left out because I was like, if I get a little intro video before I preach, then I've made it. And they didn't do that, so can we do that so I can just feel special this morning? It'll do. All right, we're in Acts 1, 3 through 11. Uh, My sermon is called Full Hearts this morning. I want to talk about having a full heart while you're waiting. I wrote you a poem And I also have three awesome points for you, so please enjoy them and like them, or else I'll feel really sad. The poem is this, a full heart is great, it's even better if it can wait. I'm done. (laughs) All right, A, a full heart is great, it's even better if it can wait. Who likes waiting? Nope, I do not. I like waiting because the Lord loves me and I trust him, but I do not like waiting. W-A-I-T should not be a word in the English language, or any language for that matter. We're in Acts 1, 3 through 11. Let's read if you have a Bible, if you have a phone, pull it out. Let's go. After his suffering, okay, this is Jesus coming back to the disciples. He had walked with them for three years. He had poured out his whole life uh, to them. Um, They were friends. This wasn't like you know, a teacher, this aloof teacher, like these people had been in the trenches together. And then all of a sudden, the dreams and the hopes and the expectations that the disciples had for Jesus were just vanished because he gave himself up freely and was blamed for something he didn't do and was punished on a cross and they watched him get killed unfairly and they wondered what was going on. They couldn't figure it out and then they went and did what they only knew to do and they went fishing and they were sitting in boats 
and the Lord Jesus appeared to them on a beach and, and he was tr- in his transfigured body and all of a sudden they're like, wait, you were here, we, we were running together, we were, were friends and then you were gone and we were so sad and now you have this beautiful body and you're, what is happening? Like, this is amazing and they had a meal with Jesus and Jesus appeared to them multiple times over a period of time. And he told them about the kingdom of God, and he told them about what was happening. These people had, had inside information on what was coming in the kingdom and in the church. It says, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So he was planting seeds in their hearts. They're getting fired up. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem but wait, ouch, for, for Peter especially, for all the disciples that want to run through a wall and see the kingdom come that he's talking about. And then he says, wait for the gift my father promised, which you heard me speak about. Anytime God asks us to wait, it's because he has a gift for us in the process. Amen? For John baptized with water, but in a few days he will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Wow. Now this was crazy because they didn't know about the Holy Spirit. They, they, they had seen the Holy Spirit you know, put on people, but the new covenant hadn't come yet, right? And so the Holy Spirit hadn't dwelled in people like the way it does in all of us because we're in the church age today. So they didn't even know it was coming. He was talking about being baptized with the Holy Spirit. So they're kind of confused. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They're getting a little impatient. Lord, are you, like, that's fine. Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking at the sky? And I just, I don't know about you, but I just imagine these disciples, they're like, man, this Jesus, like, he was in my life. We were friends. Then he died. He didn't tell us what was going on. And now he keeps coming back in, popping in here and there, walking through walls. He's got holes in his hands. What is going on? And now he's just, boom, gone like that. And they must have been like, what is this guy's deal, man? He just, we can't keep our finger on him. What, what do we do about this? And the angels said to him, why do you look into the sky? I could see these guys just gazing into the sky, just like completely dumbfounded, and he says, the same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back. Hallelujah. Will come back. Will come back in the same way you have seen him go to heaven. Father, we thank you for this time and this space this morning. Thank you, Lord, for this church. Thank you, God, that we will rise up, God. Thank you that in the waiting, Father, thank you, Lord, that you will give us authority and power and vision, God, and love, God, that there's blessing in the waiting, that you, Jesus, are in the waiting, God. We love you, and we thank you for this time and space, God.
As we get into your word, speak to us now by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I don't know about you, okay, but I like sports. I was a college hockey player. Um, I, was, I grew up in Buffalo. Uh, at 15 years old, I left home to go to prep school, and uh, that's kind of what you had to do as a hockey player. You kind of had to get out and go get in front of these scouts and prove yourself and, you know, be something. And, and that was my struggle as a kid. I had all these insecurities, and I had, you know, I had grown up in the church. I, I had known the Bible stories, and I had these church friends right, that were kind of over here, and then I had my, my hockey friends that were kind of over here, right, and I was always torn because it was like, man, I see these church friends, and, and they're nice, you know, that's about it, you know what I'm saying, and then I see these hockey friends, and they were like, the cool guys at school, you know, always looking fly, you know, in, as a, you know, kid, they were always the ones that were popular, and and getting the girls, and, 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 and so I, I just thought logically to myself, and I, I didn't know the gospel, I didn't know that Jesus came to set us free, that following Jesus is like jumping in a river and letting the current take you away, and I said to myself, well, I, there's this God in heaven who probably won't love me because I'll never be good enough for him, I could never prove myself to him, I, 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 I don't know if there's any possible way anybody can go to heaven, and I know for sure I can't because I'm completely messed up. So I'm just going to give up. And uh, I'm trying to make it in this world. And, and these, these guys are kind of getting more affirmation and love than these other guys. And if I just become this and give my whole self to this, then, then my life will be okay. So as a 15-year-old leaving home, having people handing me you know, drugs, alcohol, tobacco, you name it, and continuing to pursue a Division I hockey scholarship, that's what I gave myself to. And as a 23-year-old, I was so addicted to drugs and alcohol, I couldn't wake up in the morning without drinking a few beers in the shower. Uh, I wanted to kill myself. I had nothing that I wanted to be alive for. <laughs> and it wasn't until I heard the gospel that Jesus said, stop striving, stop coming to me with, with your efforts. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Hallelujah and I will give you rest. That word actually means I will cause you to rest. When we come to Jesus, He actually causes us to rest and rest in His freedom and in His power and in His love. He said in Galatians 2.20, Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And to me, that was the best thing that could have ever happened to me because I realized I didn't have to live this life anymore. I didn't have to live for the approval and the yes of the men and the coaches and the people and the world that were in my life, but I could live for the yes of Jesus Christ. And I could die to my old self so that Christ could live in me. And if you're over here and you've been in church your whole life and all you've seen is, is nice, God has something more for you today because we don't get saved just to be nice. We get saved, amen, to go into the battle. We get saved to do radical things on this earth. We get saved to be a part of God's dreams happening on this earth. We get saved to be completely high on Jesus and walk in complete freedom, amen? But the best part of my week as a college athlete was Friday and Saturday night. 
because we had hockey games. And that's what I live for. And I don't know if, if you guys are athletes, but you know the best part about being an athlete is stepping onto the field for the game because you're ready to go, right? And so hockey players are kind of crazy. You know, Rodney, I bet you could talk to me about some football stuff that people do, but hockey players are kind of crazy. I don't know if Nehemiah's in here, but his favorite team is the Washington Capitals. And they have these, you know, pregame rituals where they're ready to go out on the ice and they're getting all fired up. And, you know, you got Alex Ovechkin and TJ Oshie and they, you know, they slapping each other up. They do the same, you know, handshake and stuff. The Capitals guys are crazy. They'd be like punching each other in the face, like whacking each other, smelling salts, you know, the whole nine, whacking each other with their sticks. I've seen one guy just taking his stick like a sledgehammer and just hitting the other guy like 20 times with it. Like, man, that is crazy. But that's, that's what we lived for as athletes. That's what I absolutely loved to do. We would be in the tunnel. I, I played hockey all over the country, and I played in front of fans, and we would sign autographs, and, and we'd be in the tunnel, right? And the lights in the rink would be off. And you'd see this smoke coming up and you'd have this big inflatable thing that you were going to skate out of. And, you know, you'd be in that tunnel just like waiting. And the door, you'd have to wait for the team, right, to go out there, to go through, through the gate, right, to go onto the ice. And so everyone would be there as a team just hanging out, slapping. Come on, boys, let's go. Yeah, we're going to rock these guys. Yeah, like we're going to take, we're going to chop their heads off. They're going to die. No, they're going to literally die today. We're going to kill them on the ice today. It's going to be amazing. And we chop each other. And then, and then the captain usually was the leader of the team. He would, he, when, you know, the timer, and they had it all programmed with the stage and the lights, the captain would click the door. And, and the door would swing open and boom, you out there, man. You ready to go? And we'd be skating around. You'd, in the warm-ups, you skate around the zone. So we'd be skating around doing our crossovers. And, you know, it's kind of dark, but they can see you. And so, you know, you're looking up and you're seeing all these fans and you're like... Like, yeah, this is what I've been waiting for all week. And you just pumped up. You're just loving it, living the dream on cloud nine. And, you know, I was never even that good. Like, I didn't even play in the NHL or whatever. So, like, I'm not trying to act like I'm sweet up here. But, you know, it's the little things, man. So, it was fun for me, right? But how many know that that's like the Christian life? You know, we get saved. We get radically set on fire. And we're like, let's go. We're about to take that thing down. We're about to take this world down. And Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that this church would be radically set on fire. Every single morning that we wake up, God, would be like a game with you. Amen? That we would just get going, get fired up, and that we would step out onto the ice every day with no fear. Because the enemy has been defeated. Amen? Death couldn't hold him down. Amen? We're going to sing the song of victory. We're going to give our praises loud. I'm joining the worship team next week. <laughs> but how many know that sometimes if you don't time it right, I'm talking about full hearts this morning, having a full heart. There's nothing better than having a full heart as a believer because you're packed with love. And when you're packed with love, God could do anything through you because that's the realm that he operates in, is love (laughs) and forgiveness and grace and mercy. There's nothing better than being full of the Holy Spirit and full of the presence of God. You are an unstoppable force. But having a full heart is great. It's even better when it can wait. When 
we would be um, getting ready to go out on the ice, sometimes we would do the, play a trick on some of the rookies. I don't know if you've seen the Sabres do this. I think they did it to Casey Middlestad when he was a rookie. Um, but what, what we would do is anytime there was, you know, the hazing thing, there was guys on the team, the older guys would kind of like haze the younger guys so they could like, just, you know, just, you got you to give them a little rough business, you know what I'm saying? So what we would do is in front of thousands of people, we would, you know, everyone would be getting fired up and the captain would go up to the door and he'd be like, hey, you know, Rookie, hey, Jake, you know, hey, you lead us out onto the ice today. And the rookie would be like, okay. Like, wow, what an honor. Like, so he's extra charged up. You know, this rookie is like ready to go. And then everything would come and the music would be going and, and the captain would go and click the door open and boom. And the door would open and the rookie would run out there, man. He'd be scuttling around like, yeah, and be like pointing at the fans like, we're going to kill him. We're going to kill him. And then he'd look around. There'd be no one else on the ice with him because the whole team would be waiting behind the door and they'd be like, ah, like, look at that guy. He's out there by himself. Like, what a loser. Like, we got him. You know what I'm saying? And the fans would be like, oh, dude roasted that rookie just got it man and so it was so fun it's a tradition that we would do but how many know that energy is good but when energy has timing attached to it it's better and that's like us in the christian life we get so charged up we we're on fire for the lord we have dreams <sighs> i have dreams i'm a dreamer that's all i do Every single day I wake up and I just want to see God do something. We have these dreams. We've never been in a better place spiritually. We're on fire for the Lord. And we get to the door and He keeps it closed. And He says, wait. Wait. And we're like, what? No! Let's go! The lights are on! The stage is set! The fans are here! We've got the victory, man. We got the plan. We got the game plan. We know what we're going to run into out there. And we know we're going to win. Open the dang door, Jesus. Has anybody else been there? Or is it just me? Help me out. It can turn into a disaster if the timing isn't right. And the Lord wants us in His love and in His protection to not be like that rookie, right, that jumps on the ice early and is skating out there vulnerable, exposed, and alone. God is more interested in building healthy foundations for our life than he is about the lights and the camera and the action. God cares more about our families. God cares more about our freedom. God cares more about us than he does about anything we could ever do for him. But it doesn't make it easy doesn't make it easy to stand behind that door. That's what was happening in the Scripture in Acts chapter 1. I mean, Acts is the first book of the New Testament. These guys knew that, that this thing was about to go down, right? The whole New Testament was going to be written by people that were intimately involved in creating and observing the story of Jesus Christ. And they were going to carry... Jesus and carry the story to the nations. And Jesus said, hold on. Hold on a minute. Hold on just, just a minute. Not that long. Just a minute. I got something even better for you. Jesus said, I don't want you to miss 
what I have for you. And I just want to ask you today one simple question. What if God has something he doesn't want us to miss today? This isn't a word today to tell you to wait. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying if God's saying go, then you better go. I'm not saying wait. I want to talk to you today if God has told you to wait or if you feel stuck. Because when we get this word from God, it says Jesus ordered them. I don't know about you, but when I read the word ordered, I'm like, hold up. (laughs) Who you? Like, don't talk to me like that. Which is funny because it's like, uh, it's Jesus. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, like, and we're like, dude, no, like, I gotta go. Like, let's go. I, I know this is gonna happen. I, I mean, why would you show me all this stuff? Why would you charge me up? Why would you get me fired up for this if, it, if you didn't want me to go do it? And he's got the door closed. And so we either, <laughs> how many do this? We just go. We just like, ah, <laughs> thanks, but <laughs> I'm gonna open the door myself and go out there, right? Or we sit there behind the door and we're just bitter, 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 bitter. And I just want to talk to you about how to have a full heart while you wait. I got three points, and I'll be quick. And they're greater than statements, okay, because I love math. And also because that's what you do when you make sermons. You have to have three points, and they all have to start with the same letter. So I got P today. But I messed up the last one. The last one is presence is greater than everything. Should we just go there now? Hallelujah. Um, that starts with E. So I'm five out of six with the peace, okay? You're welcome. I put a lot of work into this for you. Okay. Number one, power is greater than progress. Power is greater than progress. These disciples were so concerned with progress in building the kingdom, and they didn't realize that God had extreme power that he wanted to give them. Verse 4 says, Do not depart from Jerusalem. Jesus was saying, do not be like that exposed rookie hockey player who tries to do it themselves. When you're not ready, you're not equipped to do it. The power to go was coming, but they had to stay to get it. Amen? Who knows what happened at Pentecost? 120 followers of Jesus Christ were baptized in the Holy Spirit started speaking in other languages. Tongues of fire descended in a room. The walls shook, the wind blew, and a power touched the earth that had never touched the earth in that way before. And they all had access to it. What happened next? 3,000 people instantaneously gave their lives to the Lord. And what happened next? The the religious landscape of an entire city, Jerusalem, was changed forever. The new covenant was ushered in by the power of the Holy Spirit. What if they left? What if they left early? What if they said, you know what, I don't care, get out the way of Jesus, I'm going. Even though it was Jesus that had told them this good stuff was coming, they had to wait. When God says stay, we should anticipate an outpouring of power. Don't get so intent on going that you forget to grab what God has for you in this season. But I don't know about you, but I have a problem with this because sometimes I'm like, you know, all right, let me, all right, so then I take this, this, I'm like, good, I get it. I want power. I don't want to go. I want power. 
And then I'm like, all right, let me think. What kind of power could God possibly give me? And, you know, for me right now, I work for, for FCA, and it's connecting with, with uh, you know, coaches and athletes and our, our professional sports teams and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, that sounds cool. That sounds good. Like, that would be a good connect. That would be God if you did that. that that's power. And then you go to the next one, like, yeah, that, that, would, that would be good too. And then you're like, ah, but I'm not on the ice. Like, I'm still behind this door. You're like, uh, I actually don't care about that stuff. I just want to go on the ice. You know what I'm saying? And it's because we don't have the framework to understand the power that God wants to give us. See, the Lord said you would be, Jesus said to these disciples, you would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But they didn't even know what that meant. You see what I'm saying here? You, ca- you catching this? They had no concept or framework to understand the power that God wanted to bring them. And I believe it's the same for us. When you think about all the power that God could bring you in the waiting, just throw it out. Maybe some of that will come true. But God has some strange fire. Just like he gave the disciples strange fire. God has some strange fire, some strange power that he wants to give you in the midst of your waiting. The Holy Spirit had never been available on the earth until this point. Imagine if they had died to do all that they had to do without the power of the Holy Spirit. Our God is a God who does exceedingly abundantly beyond anything we could ask or imagine. God can accomplish more in our lives by the power of His Spirit in His timing than anything we could do on our own. What if God had some strange fire for you today because you chose to stay and not go? Would you want to ignore the one who could open doors, break chains, quicken your steps, shut the mouth of lions, exchange nations for your ransom, and promote you to places you never dreamed in the snap of a finger? It's a good question. Thanks, Jake. There's power when we stay in a season with Jesus. Okay? It was 60 days till they got the power of the Holy Spirit. There's power that happens in moments that God gives to us. But there's also power that is exchanged as we wrestle with Jesus, as we spend every single day with Jesus, as the Spirit loosens us from our old ways and gives us new ways. There's power in staying with Jesus in a season. The wilderness to not live on bread alone. In the war to stand on his promises. In the winter to watch old things die so new things can come. How many know the Bible says it's not by might nor by power but by my spirit. Hallelujah. Says the Lord. I've just done things on my own for too long. That's why, I'm, that's why I'm here at this place. I've been the rookie out there trying to, trying to be, be past Jesus. And I've learned that if God's Spirit is in it, there's no better place than you can be. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Number two, promises are greater than plans. It says, it was better that they wait than worry. See, when God says wait, He's talking about our whole being. God wants to teach us to align our spirit and our emotions with him while we wait so that when he promotes us to the throne, when he promotes us to the promised land, we have the infrastructure within ourselves and in our emotions to lead well within that place. Sometimes we get so caught up trying to figure out God's plans that we forget the promises. 
This is why we have to be careful with prophecy. This is why I have to be careful with prophecy. I'll share a story. So like one time I had this dream and Rebecca kind of had a similar dream where like we were in this like old school church and it was like maybe a Jehovah's Witness church or something like meeting place or something like that. And like we were praying in the spirit and crazy things were happening. Like people were like getting saved and healed and all this stuff was happening. And there was these lightning bolts from heaven and it was like this war that was happening between like the leaders of this church and us. And just a crazy dream. I don't even know what it means. But every time I pass like a Jehovah's Witness church, I get on Zillow on my phone and I start looking at the price of all the houses around it because I'm like, that's the one. That's the, that's, we're going to take that one over. And the Lord's like, what are you doing? Like, don't move. You just bought a house two years ago. Like, stop. Stop trying to figure out what all these prophecies mean. Has anyone in here ever received a prophetic word and almost felt bound by that word? Okay? The Lord wants us to release that today. He wants us to know that it's not about the plans. Jesus said to the disciples, it is not for you to know the times and the seasons which I have fixed by my own authority. We don't have to know. It's probably better that we don't because we would mess it up, right? Ah, I hate admitting all this stuff, man. So hard. So humbling. So good. It's better for us to focus on the promise than the prophecy. The problem we have with that is that when we get this order to wait on promises, sometimes we don't see God as good and we're bitter. And so it changes how we receive the order from him. I think we have to start start changing the framework by which we understand the Lord and see the Lord. There's two types of ordered, right? There's the order of a drill sergeant, which is like, I don't care about you, do it. And then there's another type of ordered, which is like the ordered of a physician, like a prescription, right? How many know that the Bible says Jesus is the great physician? He knows what we need. He knows what our soul needs. He knows all that we have all that we need to do the next thing. And when we start seeing Jesus as a doctor for our soul and not as a drill sergeant, we're released from bitterness. When we stop, I don't even remember what I said. When we stop seeing Jesus as a drill sergeant and start seeing him as a doctor, it releases us from bitterness. See, this is funny. God is not in the business of ordering us around based on what's best for him. He doesn't need that. He doesn't need that. He's God. He's God. You know, we serve a humble God who sent his one only son to die on a cross for us. Like, if he needed us to, like, do something or be somewhere, he would not have done that. He has exposed himself. He has made himself completely vulnerable. His arms are wide open to us. And when he gives us an order, it's because he loves us and we can trust him. There's a difference between seeing the word of God as something that constrains you and something that compels you. This could change your entire paradigm today. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says that the love of Christ compels us. If you feel constrained by the word, if you feel constrained today by the word because of your sin because you feel like you should be further ahead because you don't understand God he wants you to know this morning that you're not constrained by the word of God that's not what the word of God is about our God is not controlling 
Our God is strong enough to change our hearts, strong enough to give us new desires, strong enough to save us and love us and put us on new trajectories for our lives. And sometimes he does that. I believe he even violates our own will sometimes and just makes us love him and just makes us do things that we would never do. But isn't it so good when he does? Isn't it so sweet when he does that? Isn't it so powerful? God's not interested in what he can get out of you. He's interested in what he can do for you. Go to the word. If you feel constrained by the word today, get compelled by the love of Jesus. Go to the word. Go to your journal. Pray in the spirit. God has a fresh wave of presence for you to wash your bitterness away today. His promises never fail. How many know scripture says those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength? How many know he said to Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. See, God is not closing the door for us to walk out because he wants to squash our hope. I think that's the biggest lie that Satan wants us to believe is that there's not more for us. There's not a greater, there's not something greater that's coming for us. It's like Satan wants us to just get satisfied. Like it's okay, you know, God, just do whatever you want with me and I'm just going to give up on all my dreams because you haven't opened the door yet. No, that's not it. God says he has plans to give us a hope and a future. Amen? I'll close with this one, number three, if the worship team could come up. I already said it, but it's the best one, so I'll say it again. Presence is greater than everything while you're waiting. Presence is always greater than everything. Presence is what sets us free. (laughs) The presence of Jesus. The presence of God. A presence that can totally change you in a heartbeat. A presence that can do miracles in your life. It was better that they praise than gaze. If you remember the last verse, they were gazing up into heaven and these angels were like, what are you doing? (laughs) I mean, I would be gazing too. I'd be like, "What? what? No, what are you doing? What's happening here? But he said, stop looking, stop gazing, stop being confused. They said, he will come again. His presence will come again. So you have the problem. We all have a problem. It's the the biggest problem in humanity. It's that if we can't hear God, what's the point? Amen? God has woven eternity into our hearts and our souls hunger for the Spirit and the voice of God more than anything. And when we can't hear Him, we want to give up. When He closes the door, it's like we can't hear Him. It feels like we can't hear Him. But Jesus said to the disciples, I will come again. You know, Jesus said to them, it's better that I leave you. It's better, actually. Jesus could only be in one place at one time. Kind of. He teleported. But the Holy Spirit is all around us. The Holy Spirit is in us. And the presence of the Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is in this room. Always. And God wants to meet with you. God wants to change your attitude today. God wants to set your heart free today. God wants to move you this morning. There's no shame or guilt or condemnation today. Don't confess his absence. 
Don't confess the absence that you feel. Confess his presence. Confess his return. Because scripture says he will come again. He will come again and again and again. He'll come riding in on a white horse and his voice will be like the sword. Man, this is victory. This is all about victory. We're standing on victory today. Hallelujah. We're standing on victory today. Jesus isn't losing. You're not losing today. You're winning. Failure equals success. (laughs) Because all things work together for the good of those that love Jesus Christ. Verse 4, Jesus said, not many days from now. He said, don't leave. Wait. Wait for the gift the Father has promised. Wait for the gift that God wants to give you. Not many days from now, it will come. What if you knew that the greatest miracle to ever happen to you was a few days away? How would that change your attitude today? If you knew that an encounter with Jesus that would blow your mind, forever change your perspective, open new realms, and thrust you into the deep love of God we're coming, how would that change how you approach His presence today? Father, we love you this morning. Father, we confess the name of Jesus this morning. Father, we confess the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Holy Spirit in this room this morning. We love you, Lord. Mm, We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing this song. How many of you were encouraged this morning in the midst of your waiting? How many, of you are, are, how many of you are not currently waiting? You feel like you're in the midst of it doing okay? Either way, I hope you took notes. I took copious notes, Jake. I hope, if you did not take notes, let me tell you, listen to it online with a notebook and take notes. Because the next time you find yourself waiting, you're going to be encouraged from the heart of God by what you heard this morning. Jake, I thank you for that message. I believe that's a message that's going to live in our hearts and it's going to allow us to walk with him and sustain what God is doing. Not us sustain it, but live in the sustaining grace that he has in the midst of waiting on what he's doing. I want to pray for you and dismiss you. We're going to do some giving in just a minute. I want to say something, though. The presence of God is thick in this place. And you do not have to leave here without encountering him. And so you may have come in and you're like, I'm not waiting for anything or maybe I'm still waiting. Maybe you're coming here and you're like, I need healing or I need a breakthrough in relationships or, you know, I just, I just need him. Maybe something's not right and you just need him in a powerful way this morning. You do not have to walk out of here without receiving from him. So there's gonna be people on each side of this platform ready to minister to you. There's going to be people in Guest Central. If you're a guest with us, please stop by Guest Central. We have a gift for you. We'd love to get to know you. I want to uh, make sure you don't miss anything. Ushers are in the back for giving. 
If you are a guest with us, there's no obligation to give, but here's what we do say. If God has done something in your life and you want to respond to him in a special way, every one of us are supposed to be tithing in our home church. If this is your home church, do that. If not, your tithe belongs in your home church. But all of us have the opportunity to worship the Lord with our giving above and beyond that. So if God's doing something in your heart, please feel free to uh, worship him with that, honor him with everything that you have. You can give by using the envelope in the chair. There's some information on the screen about that as well. Uh, If you're not part of a small group, please, this is where you get to live this stuff out together. Join a small group. Uh, Everything is on the website. It's going to be a regional men's conference here, November 8th and 9th. If money is in the way of you or someone else you know going, you need to talk to me one of the other pastors or leaders or even one of the guys in the men's ministry, we will find a way to get you and or your friends here. In fact, let me say this, God has already prophetically provided a way. So, and if there's, if there's, more, if there's more than what he's already provided us for, he'll provide more. And we believe that every man needs to know his calling in Jesus Christ, his place and purpose in this earth, that's what that conference is going to be about. Ladies, there's, uh, I believe, going to be something for you as well on Sunday night. And so keep that in mind. We're going, to, we're going to find out who God's made us to be. And then we're going to talk about who God's made you to be and how we can do that together. Doesn't that sound good? I think it sounds good. So make sure that you sign up for that. Just start telling people that they have to go or we'll break their legs. I'm kidding. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us, for your power, your promises, and your presence. You're so faithful. As we respond right now with our giving, as we respond by giving our lives, Pray that there would be such a power on us that the world could not help but recognize that we are just ordinary people that have been with you. And we will trust you as we wait. And we, are, we will be satisfied with you because you are all that we want. I bless your people to go now in power, walking in the promises, and with you to see your kingdom made manifest in the earth, made real in the earth, in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You are poor.